Hello, and welcome to the Space Weather Facts and Forecast podcast. I'm Isaac Brigham, amateur space weather enthusiast, and I'll be giving you the current space weather conditions, a forecast for the upcoming week, and telling you all about a fascinating space weather phenomenon. Stay tuned. The space weather lately has been fairly quiet, although we have had the occasional eruption. There are currently nine numbered sunspot regions on the Earth-facing disk, two of which are capable of flares. AR-3327 is a beta-gamma region facing Earth perfectly. C-flares should be expected from this region, and moderate M-flares will be possible. The other region of note is AR-3331 in the southeast quadrant. It will be more Earth-facing in a few days, and is also a threat for C or M-flares. This region produced a nice M2 flare yesterday with an associated CME, but that CME was fairly weak and not Earth-directed. As to coronal holes, two of them, numbers 10 and 11, are somewhat Earth-facing, and solar wind enhancements could arrive today or tomorrow. However, the holes are not ideally positioned, with one far in the north and one in the south, and they are quite small, so the effects at Earth will be minor. Moving to the geomagnetic conditions, we're currently experiencing a KP1. All the solar wind values are weak, and the BZ is minorly north, making for a very small auroral oval, and a hemispheric power of only 12 gigawatts in the north, and 13 in the south. No shows happening now, unless you're at a very high latitude. Coming up, I don't expect much activity. There could be a small enhancement soon though, today or tomorrow from the coronal holes I mentioned earlier. KP3 or maybe 4 would be the max, I would think. After that, we'll just have to wait and see if one of the flare-capable active regions might launch a favorable CME, and that could be any time in the next week or more. For aurora chasers at high latitudes, you might have a chance this weekend, with the small coronal hole enhancement arriving. At mid-latitudes, you'll just have to watch and wait for now. Thanks for listening to the forecast. Now it's time to talk about this week's featured space weather phenomena. Today I want to talk about a topic that, while maybe not quite as directly connected to space weather, has a lot of significance right now, and that is supernovas. Recently a new supernova was discovered in the Pinwheel Galaxy, M101, the closest supernova observed in a decade. This is quite an exciting event for astronomers as the event is visible even in backyard telescopes, although you do need a telescope to observe it. I'll talk more about how to observe it later. A supernova is basically an explosion that occurs when a star dies. When it has used up all its fuel, it can expand and grow temporarily extremely bright. A supernova observed in the early 1600s was brighter than Jupiter, bright enough to be seen during the day although it was as much as 20,000 light-years away. There are two main types of supernovas, type 1 and type 2. In type 1 supernovas, two white dwarf stars are orbiting each other. One of the stars starts accumulating mass from the other, raising its internal temperature and pressure and triggering an explosion. Type 2 supernovas occur when a single massive star uses up all its nuclear fuel and collapses in on itself under its own gravity. It then rebounds outwards in an explosion. 
Type 1 supernovas tend to be brighter, although both types can be as bright as a whole galaxy combined, which would be billions of times as bright as our sun. Supernovas often leave behind gaseous remnant nebulas. The most famous example is the Crab Nebula, or M1. Occasionally, if the star was massive enough, a black hole is formed after a supernova occurs if the star collapses in on itself once more. Not all stars go supernova at the end of their lives. Some, our sun included, die with less pomp. If a star is roughly half to eight times the mass of our sun, it will first expand into a red giant, then collapse again, shedding its outer layers and creating a planetary nebula. When the sun does this, which will not be for another five billion years or more, it will expand out past Earth. Supernovas, if they are close enough, could have potentially damaging space weather effects on Earth. If a supernova occurred within about 160 light years of us, we could feel some effects, and within 30 light years, the consequences could be serious. We shouldn't worry too much, though, as scientists know of no stars in our vicinity that are poised to go supernova. If a supernova was less than 160 light years away, ultraviolet radiation and gamma rays would shower down on Earth, stripping the ozone layer, letting in the sun's own UV rays. This could change our climate and possibly cause mutations to earthly life if the event was close enough. With a closer blast, say 30 light years away, the ozone layer would again be stripped and nitrogen and oxygen in the atmosphere could be ionized leading to the formation of large amounts of smog-like nitrous oxide. Again, I want to make it clear that this will not happen in the foreseeable future. An eruption this close could also disrupt phytoplankton and reef communities, disrupting the ocean food chain. Finally, like I said earlier, the sun won't go supernova at the end of its life. However, the effects on the solar system when it dies, especially Earth and the inner planets, will be devastating yet interesting to consider. When the sun swells into a red giant, it will encompass and vaporize the inner planets, including Earth. The outer planets might be able to survive this stage. Then, as layers of gas begin to shed from the sun, an extremely strong solar wind would develop. On the outer planets, this would create intense auroral displays down to their equators. However, as the solar wind strengthened, it would begin to strip the atmospheres of planets, and they would heat up and cool down at night. Eventually, when the sun collapsed into a white dwarf, it would become very dim, leaving the outer planets in the cold and dark to freeze after the hot planetary nebula had passed them by. I want to talk a bit now about this new supernova discovered in the Pinwheel Galaxy. Designated SN2023IXF, it was discovered on May 19, 2023, by amateur astronomer Koichi Itagaki. It is a Type II supernova, originating from the collapse of a massive star. The supernova brightened very quickly after its discovery, reaching 11th magnitude by May 22nd. It seems to have leveled out at about this brightness, and should remain visible for roughly a couple months. Being this bright, it should be visible in telescopes with an aperture of about 4.5 inches or more. The problem, especially for those in the city, will be seeing the galaxy itself to locate the supernova. The Pinwheel Galaxy, where the supernova is located, 
is in the constellation Ursa Major, close to the handle of the Big Dipper. This placement definitely favors northern hemisphere observers. If you have a detailed star chart that matches your telescope, you can cross-check what you will see with the chart, and if you see a new star where there wasn't one before, in the right spot where the galaxy should be, it's likely the supernova. Otherwise, try to locate the galaxy first, and look for a star on the outskirts of the galaxy. I'll put an image in the description showing its location in better detail. In any case, it's an exciting event for scientists and astronomers to get to witness something like this developing and changing before our eyes. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe and share it. This podcast will be available on the second Saturday of every month on major podcast platforms. See you next time.